Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Friday, December 10th, and this is your FT News Briefing. U.S. inflation is expected to rise at a pace not seen since the Reagan era, and Omicron doesn't seem to be rattling markets too much. So what are investors thinking? The kind of mindset that investors that I speak to are in now is that the shocks are shorter. Shorter and sharper shocks. Try saying that with an egg in your mouth. Plus, a global company headquartered in Seattle has to deal with a workers' union in the U.S. It's not Amazon. Grab a latte and we'll tell you who it is. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Inflation in the U.S. looks like it's accelerating. The U.S. government releases the latest consumer price index today. It's for November, and it's expected to show prices increased 6.8% compared to last year. That would be the fastest pace since 1982. And it's even faster than the previous month, which is pretty astounding. Here's the FT's U.S. economics editor, Colby Smith. Astounding is the, is the right word here. People have, have really come to the conclusion that inflation is going to come in, you know, a lot stronger and potentially be a lot more persistent than they initially thought just a couple months back. And it also is going to certainly embolden more aggressive action from the Fed uh, to do something about these price pressures. Yeah. And even recently, Fed Chair Jay Powell said that this inflation isn't transitory, something that he had been saying for months. Uh, so this CPI number for November would, you know, pretty much drive that point home, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think transitory is uh, dead and gone at this point. But to be fair to the Fed and their outlook for inflation, I don't think that the kind of substantive narrative about inflation has changed so dramatically in the sense that no one's kind of too concerned about runaway inflation akin to what we saw in the 1970s. You know, it's not necessarily about this pace of inflation staying with us. It's just that when we do see a moderation at some point next year, it perhaps won't be as significant and may take a bit longer than anyone thought. So Colby, what does this mean for monetary policy? A survey for the Financial Times that came out this week polled dozens of economists on what they think the Fed's going to do. I mean, Powell has already said he's willing to speed up the tapering of pandemic asset purchases. Originally, it, was, it looked like they were going to wrap up in June, right? Right. So Powell and other senior officials are now talking about ending those purchases a couple months earlier. So economists are now broadly thinking that we will see the Fed end those purchases in March, which is what the poll showed. And they've started to think about when interest rate increases will come after that. So according to the poll, you know, the majority think that we're going to get the first interest rate increase before the third quarter. But interestingly, 10% of the economists that we polled think that something could come as early as the first quarter. That would be a substantially more rapid pace than I think anyone um, is currently anticipating. Colby Smith is the FT's U.S. economics editor. For the past couple of weeks, we've missed our Friday chats with our markets editor, Katie Martin, because she was out with COVID. Fortunately, she's recovered, and now she's back to talk with us about how financial markets are coping with COVID and the latest variant. Hey, Katie, welcome back. Hey, thanks. <laughs> so not to make you relive the discomfort of COVID, and I know you had it you know, really bad, but you know, your story and how markets reacted to Omicron kind of go hand in hand. 
Well, kind of, yeah. I mean, so, you know, a couple of weeks ago, a decent shock to markets when the Omicron variant of coronavirus was first discovered. At the time, I was laying in bed with COVID myself, which I managed to get for the third time, despite my jabs. But, you know, by the time I came back after feeling pretty horrible, I have to say, the market shock has completely gone. And this tells you quite a lot about how quickly investors are kind of whirring through these kind of shocks in markets now and just getting kind of back to business really, really quickly. And I think this is probably a sort of cycle of fear and loathing and then nah, it's all going to be okay that we're going to have to get used to. So, Katie, yesterday the tech-heavy Nasdaq wobbled, but it's pretty safe to say that markets have broadly recovered from the initial Omicron scare that we saw last week. Why are markets so nonchalant about the Omicron coronavirus variant? So, I think the kind of mindset that investors that I speak to are in now is that the shocks are shorter, shorter and sharper shocks. Try saying that with an egg in your mouth. But um, yeah, shorter shocks that, that come from kind of bad news about the, the pandemic now, it kind of tends not to last for so long. But, you know, I'm not an epidemiologist and, and neither are you, but some of the more harem scarum kind of ideas around the severity combined with how quickly it spreads, um, the symptoms can be quite mild. So the nightmare scenario is that some sort of variant comes along that takes us back to where we were in sort of February 2020 and everything has to properly shut down again. And it doesn't look like Omicron is going to be that thing. Now, how are central banks managing this? You know, given the uncertainty around Omicron, you might think central bankers would keep monetary policy loose a little longer rather than raise rates. But that's what we're seeing in in quite a few places. It is a really difficult spot that they find themselves in, and it's really challenging to see how central banks can can start pushing up interest rates again, a program that some people would describe as normalization. Nobody wants to raise interest rates so quickly that you completely pull the rug from under markets and cause a whole new set of economic stresses that stem from the financial system. So I don't know how we square this circle, but I do know that we're going to be talking about it forever. So, Katie, the other thing I wanted to ask you about is this pullback in hyper growth stocks, these crazy fast rising shares in companies like the electric vehicle startup Lucid or the online sports betting company DraftKings. You know, what's been happening with these stocks? A lot of the kind of, you know, whiz bang stocks of kind of tech companies younger, less profit-making companies that a lot of investors have got into because they think that they are, you know, the future, that are experiencing a little more stress, partly because of the interest rate environment, partly because people think, oh, this inflation thing isn't going away. If central banks do raise interest rates, what does this do to some of the more kind of adventurous bets that are out there in in the stock market? So, yeah, these kind of high growth but not yet profitable companies have been in a lot more trouble. And about a third of the stocks in the NASDAQ composite, which is tech heavy, are down about 50% from their 200-day moving average. Big investors are saying, you're going to have to be really 
nimble and really kind of make sure that you, you're getting quality in your investments over the next 12 months because this sort of stability and constant pushing higher that you're seeing in kind of the really big indices is masking a lot of pain for a lot of parts of the market. And some of the froth really is coming off these kind of highly adventurous bets. Katie Martin is the FT's markets editor. Thanks, Katie. No problem. Starbucks has a first American labor union on its hands. The company didn't want one, but employees in northern New York State voted yesterday to become the chain's first unionized store in the U.S. Workers at another Starbucks in the same city, Buffalo, voted no. Ballots at a third store are being contested. The FT's Taylor Nicole Rogers says that the one victory is still pretty significant. Just the fact that this will be the first unionized cafe in the country means that there's going to be a tipping point. And even if they had lost, I think Starbucks would still be pretty scared because of how fast this thing is spreading. There are three more stores in Buffalo that are headed towards elections and another store in Arizona that just filed. So either way, I think something fundamental has changed at Starbucks. Taylor adds there's also political significance here. As soon as Biden got elected, he said he was going to be the biggest pro-labor president you've ever seen. And we hadn't really seen much movement for the labor union, aside from all the strikes we saw in October. So the fact that this was a high-profile win in an industry, the service industry, where there are virtually no unions, means that this is going to energize people for months to come. Taylor Nicole Rogers is the FT's labor and equality correspondent. Before we go, the name Sackler is disappearing from another distinguished institution. The Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City agreed with Sackler descendants to remove the name. The family has donated lavishly to museums around the world, but its name has been tarnished given that the Sackler's company, Purdue Pharma, manufactured and marketed the addictive pain medication OxyContin, which is at the heart of the deadly opioid crisis in the U.S. The Met isn't the first to do this. The Louvre in Paris removed the Sackler name from its Oriental Antiquities wing two years ago. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Fiona Simon and me, Mark Filipino. Our editor is Jess Smith. We had help this week from Joanna Gao, George Drake Jr., Peter Barber, Gavin Coleman, and Michael Bruning. Our global head of audio is Cheryl Brumley. And our theme song is by Metaphor Music. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.